All right, so this series that we're in, and I think we're like six weeks in, is uh, we're calling it the parable of the prodigal father. It's usually known as the parable of the prodigal son. Prodigal meaning reckless spending. And, and we talk about how the father actually recklessly spent on his son. Uh, his own, not only his finances, but his reputation, certainly his affection, his, his grace, his forgiveness, etc. If you know anything about the famous story of the prodigal son, uh, you recognize that the main character is not necessarily the son. And, and there is, in fact, another son involved who's very important in the story. But the main character actually is the father who represents God and how God runs to us. And we sang songs this morning that are along that, that line of the theme. So by God's grace, we're going to uh, read the scripture together. It's in Luke 15, the gospel of Luke. Luke was a first century physician. I'm sorry, who came into contact with Messiah Jesus and and wrote the the gospel of Luke. And we're looking at Luke 15, verse 11 through 32. Uh, Jesus telling a series of three parables uh, that are really one parable in in theme. But here we are, uh, verse 11 uh, and through verse 32. Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the inheritance. Then the father divided his estate between them. Soon afterward, the younger son gathered everything together and took a trip to a land far away. There he wasted his wealth through extravagant living. When he had used up his resources, a severe food shortage arose in that country, and he began to be in need. He hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from what the pigs ate, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have more than enough food, but I'm starving to death. I will get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Take me on as one of your hired hands. So he got up and went to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion. His father ran to him, hugged him, and kissed him. Then his son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Fetch the fattened calf and slaughter it. We must celebrate with feasting because this son of mine was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. Coming in from the field, he approached the house and heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked, what was going on? The servant replied, your brother has arrived and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he received his son back safe and sound. Then the older brother was furious and didn't want to enter. But his father came out and begged him, He answered his father, look, I've served you all these years and I never disobeyed your instructions, yet you've never given me as much as a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours returned, after gobbling up your estate on prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Then his father said, son, 
You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother's, a brother of yours was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Can we say amen? amen. Now we're going to pray the prayer that we've been praying every week of this series out of the book of Ephesians. It's the prayer that the Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesian believers, and we're going to pray this over ourselves right now, okay? You can feel free to have your eyes open and read the, read the scripture. If you can read it, this one is a little bit, uh, the words are a little bit not as big as the others, but I'm just gonna pray. I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all then, then more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And we all say, Amen. Amen. So the parable of the prodigal father, the story of God's scandalous love. And the, 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 the one that we're looking at this week, the, the title of this week's focus on this story is an empty seat at the table and it's part one because we're going to talk about an empty seat at the table next week in a different way than we talk about it this week but we want to talk about an empty seat at the table and I want you to look at this image from this beautiful movie called the heart of man and you can find it on Netflix if you haven't seen it yet um, it's there for you free of charge on Netflix if you have it um, to watch it's absolutely a phenomenal movie and it's based on the story of the prodigal father, the prodigal son. And, and it depicts in, in a cinema, cinematic way, you know, what, what, what this story might look like in this day and age. Of a son who, who abandoned his father and took away from his father um, the relationship that they had together and the resources, etc. And then lost his way, came to his senses and came back. But at the beginning of this movie and then at the end of the movie... They have these beautiful images that they show in the movie, uh, scenes where they show the father at the table, at the communal table, with the family. And I, I love it because the family is, is much like the family uh, of God, but even more so in reality than, than the picture there. But you can see the diversity, the, the age, and, and the gender, and then uh, the ethnicity, etc., and, and you just know that God's family are, are all over the world, people who know God personally, who read the scriptures, and, 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 and they, they love God as individuals, and they meet in their individual uh, congregations, but God doesn't see them as kind of that group over there and that group. He just sees them as one big happy family. Like, and, and I know that sometimes that in the family of God, just like in natural families, there's, there's you know, need for you know, uh, conflict resolution and things like that. 
Um, but the reality is, is that the way God looks at his family is it's an invitation uh, that is extended to all. Notice that when, when, when the son, who was the younger son, left the father's table, left the fellowship uh, of the, in the, with the father in the father's house, the, the father longed for him to be there, could not stand him not being there, and was moved with compassion uh, to just embrace him and bring him back into the, into the fellowship of the father in the father's house. And, and notice how the father went out to beg that bad attitude older son who refused to go into the party. He went out and begged him to come in to, to his house. And I think that what you have a, a, a feel for there is that the father has a table and wants us all to be at that table. And it's not about the table. It's about, and it's not even about the food. Although notice that there's a lot of food in the word of God. Have you read that? The Bible is like, it seems like every time you see Jesus doing something, uh, it involves food. If you notice that, like he was often eating with people, sitting down uh, at a meal with people, even after the resurrection, he's cooking up fish and chips for his disciples. And, you know, he's just not, I don't know about the chips, but the fish for sure. And, uh, and he's, you know, there's always dining. Why? It wasn't about the food or the table so much. It was about the relationship with people, the time to sit with them in close, intimate fellowship, to really share together. And, and, and what's interesting to me is, you know, that he left us a meal. Did you notice that he left us a, a, a table? That's what this is. He wants us around the table to be in relationship with him all the time. This is just symbols, really, of, of, of what is behind it all is saying that the Lord wants us to take him in to experience his relationship, his love, and he wants us at that beautiful table. And even the kingdom of heaven talks about the marriage supper of the lamb and being at the table. We'll get more into that in a couple of weeks. Um, but it's just the fathers that wanting us to be in his house and wanting us to be at the table. But it's not us as individuals. It's us as his family. Now, I firmly believe that if you were the last person on earth, that Jesus would have died for you alone because he loves you that much. But he doesn't just love you alone. He loves you that much that if you were alone, he would do everything for you to be in relationship with him. But he, he, as much as he loves you like that, he doesn't love you alone because you're a part of a family. And, and uh, it's a beautiful thing to experience the relationships of God's family, of being with people who know God and are growing to know God more and working through life with them, praying with them and sharing together with them is really where God wants us to be. If you believe it, can you say amen? amen. All right, let's breathe it. Luke 15, verse 25 through 32 is where we'll pick up the story for today. It says, the older son had been out in the field, but when he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing, this big celebration going on. So he called one of the servants over and asked, what's going on here? The servant answered, your brother has come home safe and sound. And your father ordered us to kill the best calf. The older brother got so angry that he would not even go into the house. Part of the message that I want to share with you this morning is, let's make sure that none of us are this older brother. Let's make sure that none of us close our hearts to any other member of the family. Even if the family member has you know, gone astray, even if the other family member has let us down, Closed hearts to God are really the worst, but then closed hearts for each other are, are, are like the outgrowth of a closed, it's like, it's like if you have an open heart to God, you'll have an open heart to others. 
And the problem with this older son is he didn't have an open heart to his father. That's where it started. He wasn't in relationship with father. And that represents us not being in relationship with God. And it created this huge stubbornness in him, this really bad attitude. It's just an ugly thing to see that it says he, his, the older brother got so angry that he refused to go in. He refused. He wouldn't even go in the house. He didn't want to be with his father. He didn't want to be with his brother. You know, you can just imagine him just saying, you know what? There's been an empty seat at the table for all this time. And finally, that seat is being filled. And there's no excitement on my part. And the beautiful thing is this story sensitizes us to who is not here among us that is a part of the family. Who's what I call MIA, missing in action, you know? Who, who, who's who's kind of out sick or, I mean, some people are, are, we know this weekend a lot of people are out, so it's maybe not a good time to express this because you might misunderstand it. You know, so a lot of people are out on vacation, but who's missing that we don't know where they are or why they're not here? And, and it's a beautiful thing to say, you know what? If I know the Father and I'm in the family of God, then I'll know the Father's love for the family and I myself will have love for the family as well. Um, and we're, gonna, we're just going to look at some verses that will really drive this home for us today. But I want to read into this next slide, the rest of that passage, verse 25 through 32. Notice how the father responded. It says, his father came out and begged him to go in. And he's begging him to go in for two reasons. One, he loves this son just as much as he loves his other son. He says later on, all that I have is yours. He said that all that I have is yours. And I want you to be with me. But he also said it on behalf of the son who was gone, who had returned. He was begging him to come in for both, for the son to be in relationship, but also to welcome back the son who wasn't in relationship. It says his father went out, came out, begged him to go in, but he said to his father, for years I've worked for you like a slave and have always obeyed you, but you have never even given me a little goat so that I could give a dinner for my friends. And by the way, bad attitudes can take over our whole lives. Did you notice that? Like, if, if you allow a bad attitude, the Bible calls it a root of bitterness to come into your life. If you allow that to come into your life, every relationship you see becomes negative, all right? If somebody hurts you and they're, they're, they're uh, from uh, the United States of America, you might start to hate everyone in the United States of America, or they're a certain gender or a certain ethnic or racial group, whatever. If somebody hurts you, you might just go, well, then, that, then I'm not going to be open to any of those other people. And it just kind of clouds your world. And here's this guy just griping and complaining about things that aren't even real. He had everything and he's concerned about a goat, you know, and, and one party. And, and yet, so we, we see the bad attitude. But then, then he says, this son of yours, this other son of yours, wouldn't even call him a brother, wasted your money on prostitutes. And by the way, the Bible doesn't say he was even with a prostitute. We don't know how he did this extravagantly, how he wasted all that money. But the, the, this, this other brother was like the accuser of the brethren. Did you notice that? Like even if he didn't know it to be true, he, he like wanted to give the greatest accusation. Why? Because he didn't have a regard for the other member of the family. He's like, you know what? I don't, he hurt me. He hurt, he's hurting my, my own welfare. And so I'm going to make him out to be the worst that he could possibly be. And so somebody might have done something wrong. But then, you know, if you're upset at them, you might even kind of elaborate on, on, on how wrong it is, you know. Uh, and so he's like saying that whether or not he was with prostitutes, we don't know. He could have been for sure. But we don't know that. But this man's saying it with certainty. And then it says, and now that he has come home, you ordered the best calf to be killed for a feast. 
And his father replied, my son, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we should be glad and celebrate. Your brother was dead, but he is now alive. He was lost and has now been found. And I'll just say it this way. There was an empty seat at the table, and it's no longer empty. And we should be celebrating that we're together as family with the Father. And so I want want you to look at some verses of Scripture where we see how Jesus really loves the family of God, the people of God. Look at this in Luke chapter 15, verse 5 through 7. It says, um, uh, this this is from the passage uh, that is just before these passages. i got to give background here. Uh, first, he told about a lost sheep and a shepherd who went and found, and then a lost precious coin and a woman went and found. And this is about the sheep. When, this, when he, speaking of the shepherd, finds the, it, the sheep, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And I just want to say this. this is, every Sunday that we gather together should be a reunion. And I believe it is. And I just think that we need to see it that way. I think that every, like I get excited when I start hearing your voices in the hallway coming in and seeing you here. And when I'm watching you fellowship with each other while I was getting my stuff together up here and things, I'm looking at this and going, this is awesome. We're like connecting uh, with God and with each other. And every Sunday should be that family groups, life classes, etc., uh, prayer times, whatever we do when we, when we do it together, there should be a, a, a celebration just from being together with God and with each other and, and just, just enjoying that fellowship, uh, but also looking for the one, the empty seat. Who's missing? You know, how are we focused on making sure that everyone's there so that when they come back into their seat, we can all put them on our shoulders, you know, call our friends together and then celebrate, right? Just have a a feast together. Can we say amen? Amen. All right. Pretty good. Luke 15, verse 9 and 10 is the coin and the woman. And it says that when she, speaking of the woman, finds it, speaking of the coin, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And I just want to say this. We're going to talk next week about people who don't know God that are not in the family and welcoming them in. But I'm focused this week on the people who are in the family. And and sometimes repentance is not this big elaborate thing. It's just, hey, I I haven't been connected as much to the body. I'm going to get reconnected. Uh, I haven't been, you know, I've been kind of involved in all these other things and now I'm back or I've been in Zambia on a mission trip or wherever I've been and I've been away for the weekend and we're back and we all just kind of come together and say hey we're, we're back together and, and we celebrate that okay and uh, so that's how we're applying it but look again in Matthew chapter 12 verse 46 through 50 look at how Jesus um, focuses how, how much he loves his family it says while Jesus was still talking to the crowd His mother and brother stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now, if you would just kind of log that scripture in your brain just for a second and let's read this next verse which might seem a little contradictory but I want to put all of this in balance in Luke chapter 14 verse 26 Jesus said if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father 
and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters. Yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple, all right? Now, does that sound like, like he's talking about, you know, my brothers, my sisters and all of that. And then here there's, it's like, okay, hatred for your family members. Uh, but I want to give all these in balance. Look at the next one and then we'll make comments after we read these verses in succession. John chapter 19, verse 25 through 27. Jesus is on the cross. Nails in his hands, nails in his feet, had been beaten to the point of death, scourged, you know, body torn apart, blood flowing, and, and with that kind of pain, and, and dying of suffocation. That's how you die on the cross. You eventually can't breathe anymore. You just It's the most horrific form of torture. And he's on the cross, and look at what happens. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. Now, sometimes you have to remember that the way you interpret scripture is by comparing it with other scripture. And if there's some scripture that seems like it's really drastic and doesn't seem like it totally makes sense, then you have to put it in the context of the rest of the word of God. And then you'll get a real clear picture. It's just like anyone else's conversation. If you hear them say, I'm leaving now, you don't have to interpret that. They're never coming back. They might just be going to use the restroom or they might just be going to get dinner. They're coming right back. You have to know from the whole context of all they're saying what exactly is what, what they're really wanting to communicate. So I'm going to give one more verse and then we'll tie it all together. First Timothy chapter five, verse eight, the scripture says, but those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than unbelievers. Okay. Wow. All right. So what it's saying here is love your family. Love your family, okay? Love your family. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, your husbands, etc. You know, submit to one another. Out of, you know, let, recognize the role. The husband for the wife. The wife for the husband. All of those things. The, the, don't embitter your children. These are all scriptures. Children, obey your parents. All of these things are, are scriptures to make sure. Keep in high priority. Have a high value for your family relationships. And, and make sure that you care for them. So then how do you balance that out with, if you don't love, hate your family, if, then, then you're not worthy to be my disciple. Yes, even your own life then you're not worthy to be my disciple. Uh, I just want to put that in context with each other, but I wanted to read these scriptures all as a whole because it can't possibly mean have no regard for your family. Notice that Jesus on the cross was caring for his mama. Did you notice that? For his mother. He knew how much she loved him. He knew what she needed, physically even. He knew that she needed a home. And so we don't have a whole lot of record of how Jesus interacted with them. We know that he, he interacted with them even when he went out uh, into his ministry. But from age 12, he was telling them, I have a priority that you need to recognize. It's not just my individual house biologically, but it's the household of God. That's why Jesus at age 12 told his, his parents, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house about my father's business? And so what Jesus is doing is causing us to recognize that there are two families that we really need to love. One is our biological family, 
And we should never get rid of the bonds that we have in that biological family. Even if people reject us in our biological family, we do everything we can for reconciliation, for peace. We love, even Jesus taught us to love our enemies. Sometimes we have enemies in our own household to do good to those who misuse us, who uh, you know, uh, speak evil against us and things like that. Because there are sometimes, just by coming to know Jesus, that family members turn against us. But then it's for less you know, major reasons. Sometimes people just don't like a word that you say and they write you off. And, and we have to not give up on our family. That's what the word of God is teaching us is to love our family members, to honor our parents, etc. But then there's this other family that God wants us to recognize. And it's that family that's the forever family. Now I pray that everyone in your family is a part of the forever family. But the reality is, is that some people, God is pouring out his love and wants us to be in relationship with him. But if people decide that they don't want to be in relationship with him, they get what they, do, what they are asking for and what they truly deserve because that's their choice. And, and so there are some people who choose not to be a part of God's forever family. We recognize that from scripture. Um, but uh, we want all of our earthly family members to be a part of the forever family. But the fact that it's a forever family shows the value of that family. That this family is going to be together with the Father for all eternity. That means that if you turn away from a sister or brother now because you just don't want to love them or you don't want to be in relationship with them, you're going to have to face them in eternity. You're going to have to go, oh, sorry, I, you know, please, for, you know, it's going to be awkward is what I'm saying. You know, like, uh, so what I'm saying is, is that, you know, forgive, love, see the value of, of this family that is God's forever family. No, you know, when Jesus traveled, do you know that it was scandalous for Jesus to travel in the crowd that he traveled? Not just the sinners he was with, but the genders he was with. Did you know that Jesus' disciples were not just male? Did you know that? Have you read the scriptures closely enough to see that there were a ton of women that were traveling with Jesus? They weren't just coming to hear him teach. They were actually traveling. Can you imagine men and women who were going from town to town and they're, uh, you know, we would, we would consider that they were shacking up now in our generation. We would go, oh, they must be shacking up or hooking up or whatever, you know, language that we would use because these women are men. But we know that wasn't the case. We know that they were, in, they were chaste and honorable to each other. They had beautiful God-focused relationships and all of those things. And, and it wasn't that they didn't struggle with each other, uh, but they worked it out. Jesus taught them how to live a new way of love. And he taught them, love one another as I have loved you. It's my one new commandment, my one great commandment. Love one another as I've loved you. So, how did Jesus get away with that in that culture? Like, men and women should not be traveling. In that culture, it, like the women sat on one side of the synagogue and the men sat on the other. They actually separated just for the teaching, let alone for, you know, habitating together, you know. And so how did, how did Jesus get away with that? And I'm going to give you the answer to that. The way he got away with it is when he went from town to town and there were a bunch of men and a bunch of women and they were staying, you know, in places, you know, adjacent to each other and that kind of thing. And people asked, hey, what, what's up with this? You know what Jesus would answer? It's my family. And they would go, oh, okay. Because families used to travel as tribes. It still happens in parts of the world. Like this is a fragmented society here in the U.S., like people are all over the place and, and individuals here and individual family members here and all that. Uh, but in a lot of places, you know, families move as tribes. Like if, if they go 
somewhere everyone goes together. And they might travel days together to get to a certain point. And that's exactly how this culture was. And Jesus traveled. It was, it was, un, it was not uncommon to travel with a large extended family. So when they would come and question him, like, hey, what's up with this? Men and women, you know, kind of traveling together. It doesn't look very uh, honorable to me. Very, you know. Uh, he would go, look, we're all family. He goes, these are my brothers, these are my sisters, these are my mother, that's my mother, that's my father. And, and, and he, was, he was recognizing, he was causing her to recognize another reality of family. And in fact, the reason why God made a f- individual families is to teach us about how he wants us to be a part of his universal family. How he wants to, us to be a part of his eternal family. And that's why he introduces us to, him to, to ourselves as a father. And as we'll get into in a couple of weeks, as a father who loves like a mother, okay? Who loves like a father, loves like a mother, and all of that. And, and it's just a beautiful thing. And even he expresses himself as a mother who wants to gather her hen, you know, as a mother hen gathering her chicks on her wings. All of these beautiful expressions. And so God uses this f- familial language to tell us how he wants us to be in in relationship with him and all to be in relationship with each other sitting at tables that's why we're at tables this morning to kind of drive home the effect that's one reason you'll see the other reason in a minute but the beautiful thing is so how do you explain this you know hate your father hate your mother and and, and you have to understand the semitic language of that time is look if you have any higher regard for your earthly family than god as father and the forever family then it's like you hate the father and his forever family. And and Jesus was just saying, reverse that. Like just put one over priority over the other. And it it doesn't mean that one is is, is to you more important because you want your, your biological family to be a part of that forever family. But the reality is you have to see the value of that forever family that goes on forever. That, that you have to focus on that and say, you know what? Sometimes earthly family responsibilities coincide with, with responsibilities to the heavenly family and the eternal family. And at that point, you've got to make a decision. I wouldn't even think of putting a priority on my earthly family if, if, if I've got to focus on something for, for my heavenly family. Now you say, well, that just doesn't seem like it's right. But notice this, Jesus struck a balance. He left his mother to go to the cross. But even on the cross, he took care of his mother. This is where the scripture comes in. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. I just know this. The more I put God first, the better my relationship is with my girlfriend over there. Uh, 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 This year, 34 years of marriage. The more I love my, my father and I'm in relationship with him, the more I love my children and the more I'm able to love and set an example for my grandchildren. And, 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 and that's how it works. And so it's just putting priorities together and recognizing that we would hate, that's why the word hate is used, we would hate to get our priorities mixed up and to focus only on the things of this life. And the reality is sometimes we're focused on the agenda of our family and they're setting the agenda for us and we're never involved in anything to do with the kingdom of God. So they lead us to this earth when we should be leading them to heaven. Are you seeing what I'm talking about? So this is why we have this priority. We love deeply our family. We know that God created them, but we've got to have a perspective on this family that he is creating in us. And I love this that Jesus said, these are my brothers, my sisters, my fathers, my mothers. And even the scripture in Paul uh, tells us that the way that you treat each other, like you younger ladies, I'm going to treat you as, as younger sisters, okay? And, and then I'm going to use my, my mother-in-law, older than I am. 
I'm going to treat you as a mother. It's easy because you are my mother. But you're the, you're the only one I want to pick on right now. And so if there's anybody Vera's age here, you're my mom, okay? I call Estelita my Filipina mom, okay? And because she's there. And so you treat, and then you're, you're, you're the, the older men as fathers, the younger men as brothers. And you experience relationship together with each other. We should care for the family, right? Can you say amen? Look at this in Genesis 4. I've got to finish up here so we can do something really fun together. Genesis 4, 8 through 10. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. Here's a family relationship. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother, Abel, and killed him. This is the first murder in human history. And it's against the family. Disregard for family. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. He's just as so much of a liar as that older brother that Jesus told the story about. And by the way, here's the younger brother, older brother thing again, right? He goes, I don't know. He knew exactly where he was. And then he said this, am I my brother's keeper? And he said it with the same derision that the older son in Jesus' story said, this son of yours has wasted your money on, and really it was our money, on prostitutes. And you, he wouldn't even like dignify him by saying, you father, you Abba. He said, you have done this and that for him. And I refuse to go in. So this horrible attitude is there with the lies mixed in. And then God reveals the lie by saying, you know, he says, he says am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. That means that if you don't care about your family members, God does. If you don't care about your biological family members, God does. If you don't care about your spiritual family members, God does. Therefore, even if, even if you were to, you know, wipe them away, their, their, their spirit, their, their blood would cry out from the ground uh, for justice, for, for, for wrongdoing done against them and all that. Because God cares. He cares. He says, your brother, it was the responsibility of the brother. It wasn't God's responsibility. Because when he put us on this earth, he made us responsible for one another. Although he, he you know, intervenes so often, it's still, we never lose our responsibility. We're supposed to care for one another on this earth. And so he says, you know, where's your brother? And, and, he, and he says, I don't know. I'm, am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And I, I already referred to this uh, Ephesians 5. Husbands love your wives. Uh, but I want to refer to this where it says, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. What's a church? We know it's not a building. It's the people of God. It's the people who have heard the good news that God sent his son to die for us on the cross to rise from the dead so that we could have our sins wiped away and we could come into relationship with him. That's the forever family of God. And God loves that family. Jesus loves that family so much that he gave his life for her. And, and so it, how, should we, how should we feel? Let's not be the older brother attitude toward one another. And, and when, when, when God says to us, am I my brother's keeper? Our answer should be yes. I am. I'm the one that looks out for my brother. I am the one who protects my brother, who looks out for my sister and all of that. And then this last one uh, in Luke chapter 12, verse 37b, Jesus said, truly I tell you, he will, the Bible says, truly I tell you, he will dress himself to serve. Speaking of Jesus, at the, the last supper, when we're in heaven together, it says, Jesus will dress himself to serve will have them, speaking of his family, recline at the table and will come and wait on them. 
Now that'll blow your mind because you think, you know what? I can understand God saying I need to serve him. But this God is wanting to serve us. He's willing, he's wanting us to be at his table. And then notice what he did with his disciples. He washed their feet, knowing they would abandon him before the cross. Knowing that Judas would betray him that very night, he washed their feet to show them the full extent of his love. He says, I've longed to have this supper together with you, that Passover meal. He wants to be with them. He's serving them. He's washing their feet. He's giving them the bread. He's giving them the wine. He's serving them. And and that's the way we should be with each other. We should look for those people we can serve, those people who are at the table who we can serve, those people, the empty seat at the table, that we can make sure that that person is found and is back at the table. And that's the attitude that we should have. And I want you to look at this next slide and just imagine that father embracing his son and knowing that that father is our heavenly father embracing us. And just just look at these statements right here. The father wants to be with his family. Do you? And I believe that the beautiful answer of this family is yes. We want to be with each other. We want to be with each other on Sundays. We want to be with each other in family groups, etc. And this is just an encouragement to to just do anything possible to do that. And and whatever it takes to do that. And and to make those relationships the best that they could possibly be. And we're going to give you an opportunity of how to respond to that in a minute. Um, uh, I said, man, I, I, I want to... Oh, my... Yeah. Okay. I'll just, I got to get through this. Ephesians 5, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Yeah. All right. Let's just go back to the last slide. Can we go to that, Jess? Because we have time. We don't have time. Here's what I'd like you to do. I would like one person, first of all, if you're just two people or three people at a table, can you jump to another table? Okay. Let's combine tables. Let's get as many people around a table. So like if you don't mind, Minjung and Keisha, can you sit with one of the tables that has less people? And then if you don't mind, Brian and Carol, if you could sit with a table that has less people and, uh, and just get as many people at each table um, as you can. Yeah, you want to join? Uh, yeah, where, which one do you want to come to? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So you all can stay where you are. Um, Oh, well, you guys figure out what to do. Yeah. That's fine. All right, we good? Okay. Four people. You know what might be even better? Can, can you four right there, do you mind, like, like two of you be at maybe this table and two of you at that table? Is that okay to ask you? Maybe two of you at this table, two of you at that table? And, or maybe, uh, what, what are your names right here with... Uh, Heather and what are your names? Rensel, is that how you say it? And Mercedes. Mercedes, yeah, beautiful. Maybe two of you could join Rensel and Mercedes right there. You guys stay where you are if you don't mind. And then yeah, Ted's coming over, Susan, and then maybe like this table here could use a couple more, and then the, the, any of those tables. Okay. Now, if you would, somebody come from your table. And just grab one of these pieces of paper, if you would. Just somebody from your table, each table, have a representative come and grab uh, a piece of paper from there and a pen from me, okay, as you go by. All right, here's a pen. There you go, right there, grab it there. Thank you very much. And uh, what table, do you have somebody from your table yet? Yeah. Okay. All right, just grab a piece of paper, tear it off there and bring it back to your table, if you would. 
We have a, a representative from each table. All right. Jess, I think I might need another marker or two, wherever you are. Okay, she's running to grab something. Okay, do you have a marker? Yeah? Awesome, all right. Okay, it's harder to rip those off than I thought it would be. Yeah, just, just yank away, there you go, like, I got this. All right, once you get back to your table, put that on your table, thank you very much, yeah? Uh, we have some more pens here Jess has for us, okay? Uh, you can see who has them. All right, once you have them at your table, Yeah, she has some. Oh. Jess has some. So she'll come around to your table. Okay, once you're at your table, thanks for moving. Those of you who had to move, thank you for, you know, kind of upsetting the apple cart, you know, moving to other places. Really appreciate that. And uh, you know what we could even do? Like, even you guys right here, can you try and fill in, like, this even a little more? Because we've got a couple of spaces over there at Gary's table, a couple of spaces right here. So Ryan and Becca, you guys want to stay together, right? You, right? You like being together? Okay. And then, uh, ladies, you, what? Right here, right here, if you want. Right? Can we join in that table? To... Yeah, yeah. No, you, you, they, you, they already have a piece of paper. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just right here, Bill. Okay, beautiful. All right. Now, at each table, do you have enough back at that other table? Yeah, you do. All right, at each table, I want you to just, I'm going to give you a couple of questions that I want you to respond to, and, and, and just write, pick somebody to write it out. You first have a discussion, maybe five minutes, just have a discussion, and then write out the answers that people give. And the questions are this. You ready? Here they are. Number one, how can you be in relationship with God's family? How can you be in relationship with God's family? Okay? And you're going to write it on that piece of paper, okay? And then secondly, how can you make God's house better? Okay? How can you improve on God's, specifically Embassy Church? What can you do to make this house a better house for, for, for the family of God, okay? Um, so how can you be in relationship with God's family? That's number one. And then how can you make uh, this a better experience for others to be in, in God's house, okay? Uh, those two things. So in a, one is for you, the other is for others. How can you make this, uh, how can you be in relationship with God's house? And then how can you help others to be in relationship with God's house, okay? So those are the two questions. Discuss it together and then one person, designate them. And then that person's going to come up and share with the rest of us what you come up with, Okay. So go ahead and, and, and discuss, write that down together, and then we'll have a representative to come up and share with the rest of us. Thanks. All right, Keisha is first for her group. Uh, Jess, can you help us do the clipping? So we could just set it up here like this and clip that in. Awesome. All right, so Keisha, you got just a minute? So we'll say a minute, okay? Okay. Great. Hi, guys. Um, so the first question, um, how can you be in a relationship with God's family, our table over there, 
Um, we discuss family groups, um, prayer and encouragement, um, developing relationships outside church events throughout the week, um, and intentionality in our conversations, kind of going beyond weather and sports and asking people how they are, what's going on in their life. Nice. Um, how can you make this house better, right? How mm-hmm. can we make this a better experience for others? Um, bringing your gifts, your unique gifts and talents to the house. Everyone yeah. has a talent that the Lord's given them, bringing that, um, showing up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you can start with that gift. <laughs> um, evangelism, um, bringing new people into the family when they show up, or new visitors, um, bringing them into the family. Um, encouraging our leadership, um, praying for Pastor Dave and Carol. Uh, it's easy to forget about our leaders sometimes. Um, and reaching out uh, to members when they're out on the weekend or something like that. Yeah. All right. Way to go, Keisha and team. Who's next? Real quick. Real quick. We come up. All of you come up so that we can be ready to go. Then we don't have to wait for you to walk up. Yeah, just one. Each person just send a member up. We got one from that table? Come on up. Come on up. Yeah, come on up. Yeah. No, no. I'll come up. I'll come up because you'll be ready to go next. Yeah. All right, so Jess will help you to put that on, and I'll hold the microphone or the, the recorder for you. So this is uh, Renee and Renee's table right here. Yeah, Renee's table. Here we go, Renee. You ready to go? I consider it Pastor David's table. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, here we go. Um, first thing, be in fellowship with one another um, continuously, in other words, not just coming to church on Sundays, but throughout the week. And that can be in getting together for lunch or whatever. Yeah, go oh, ahead. Oh, okay. No, no, that one. Oh. Yep. For, getting, this is for recording. Oh, getting together for lunch and then or um, just talking on the phone because, and you don't have to have social media to do this either because we all have cell phones. So you can just chat and say, how are you today and how are things and if something's going on, you know, you can all pray right. for them. Because yeah. everything goes back to prayer, which is the next thing. Pray for each other. All right. Pray, pray for Go ahead. You got one minute. Oh, yep. oh well, stay in fellowship. <laughs> These are all great, but you got one minute. Okay. Stay in fellowship with one another. Uh, that's after that. Be in connection with one another outside of the church. Okay. Um, what's that say? Geography is challenging. Oh, yeah, because the geography is challenging. Use the cell phone and to talk to people. Okay, yep. Okay, and then uh, for the church, volunteer in the church. Um, Connect, uh, connect with the ministry, make a house of prayer day in and day out, wow. make it 24-7. Financial support. Now, this is where uh, we're talking that some people don't have the finances, so they can give of themselves. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Because that's a giving, too. Yep. Yeah. Leap of faith, leading a group. Uh, yeah. Leading yep. a group. Okay, leading a group. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Give a hand to Renee and her, fa- and her uh, little group there. All right, so what we're going to do, we're going to take these off. Uh, Yasin, can you, can you uh, come put these up for us? We're going to put them up there. There's the duct tape. And uh, we're going to set them up there and take a picture. All right, who's next? Ju- Juliet and your table. With the far back table. You got that clip? There we go. Okay. Awesome. Here, I'll hold this one for you. You hold that one. So we're repeating a little bit of what's already been said, but basically uh, interact with people and through fellowship and just be together, show that you care for each other, um, connect and let the other person know that they can trust your connections, put in the time and effort, and represent Jesus to each other, being authentic. For the second question, um, to make it a better experience, 
welcome people, help them connect, and if there are little things here and there, um, I, I sometimes call it the gift exchange, like if somebody's good at watering the plants, or somebody's good at vacuuming, or they want to do just a little something, that gives them a little bit of ownership in the family, and in the church, and in their house. And is that it? Everyone should feel some ownership. That's, That's it. good. All right, before, that was awesome. Before the next person comes up, one day I came in and, and, uh, to the office and Jeff said to me, uh, you're, you have a surprise waiting for you downstairs. And, and we were upstairs in the office. And I came down and Juliet had taken some of the older chairs that had tears in them and had sewn them. Like literally with a, a needle and thread, she had sewn like up those, set. that's an example of what she just said of just finding something to do and doing it. And uh, it was awesome. So yeah, all right. Hey, come here. Renzo? Yes. I don't? No. Oh, okay. Renzo, how, how many times have you been here? Uh, maybe three. And you're already up front here talking in front of everybody. Yeah. I love it, Renzo. Yeah, I love this. Thanks. And did you see, did you see his tat right here on his arm? Proverbs 3, 5. Nice. Right there. Awesome, Renzo. <laughs> That's my group, and my mom's here today for the That's your mom. Yeah. So. Here you go. Uh, hold that, Renzo. Okay. So we discussed the two questions above. Um, how can you be in a relationship with God's family? And we decided to share with y'all uh, greeting, making people feel welcome. So I know you have done that today for my mother, so that's amazing. Uh, having a seat at the table, um, making sure that you have a place to sit down and feel comfortable. Um, we also talked about loving and welcoming, you know, the church family, um, your family to church, um, communicating your heart, uh, as you privately talked about, you know, your family's not perfect, you might have disagreements, so if you do have disagreements, just opening up your heart and communicating is important, um, participating in life groups is important, having more options, I know that, you know, we all, most of us work, and we have different schedules, so having you know more options available would be uh, another way to kind of continue that relationship with one another. Um, having ha having an open heart, having an open mind, accepting uh, and keeping in touch with everyone or your friends during the week, calling each other up is important. The second question, how can you make this a better experience for others? We talked about um, having, I guess, again, going back to one of the answers for the first question, just uh, being able to adapt to, you know, a new schedule or opening that up. Uh, praying with one another for uh, another is important uh, and being intentional, active in community, uh, also connecting, I guess, at church and then after church and sharing the gospel to others. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. I don't even know this guy. I can't wait to get to know him. Yeah, me too. Great to meet you. Man. Thank you. Great to meet you, Renzo. Appreciate it. Awesome. One more? Nadia Edge. All right. So we got, look at them. They're going up on the wall there. Thanks, uh, Yasin, for putting them up on the wall. And by the way, where they're going up on the wall, notice the stones. How, the Bible says we're living stones being built into a house. So notice we're putting it up on the stone wall. You know how those stones are together, 
connected with each other. So that's a beautiful visual right there. You ready, Nadia? Yes. All right. Yes. Yes. And for a certain time, he thought, if he could do all this already, he would certainly be already here. Okay. okay. Yes. We are a better time for the house of God, but mm-hmm. also for each other, mm-hmm. and being available. So being available and sharing our talents. Amen. Uh, amen. 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 Sorry. Yeah. Please. <laughs> All right. So, Father, we just thank you for our time together today. We thank you, Lord, for the beautiful fellowship, Lord, even around the tables. God, we have uh, one of the themes that um, that's not as much on my, you know, agenda. Um, in recent times that I, I heard from, I think just about every group, if not every group, is that connection, not only on Sunday, but during the week. And I just pray, Lord, that you would help us, God, to be connected with one another, God, to, Lord, just look out for each other, to be our brother's keeper, to care for the family like you do, Father. Lord, uh, to love your, your family like you do, God. Um, Lord, we just pray for any missing seat, any empty seat, that it would be filled with your beautiful people, God, in every way that you want it to be, God. Uh, Lord, we just love you, God, and we ask, Lord, that as we, um, as we close and, and give opportunity for ministry, prayer ministry to go on and, and, and with our worship uh, leaders, God, we just ask for your grace on this time that miracles would happen, prayers would be answered, God, great testimonies would be experienced, Lord, of your goodness in our lives. And all these things that we've talked about, Lord, we bring it to you and ask you to Help us to be all that you want us to be as your family, God, in Jesus' name.